All right. Hey, church, we are here in our Multiply Faith Conversation series. Today, we're talking about or deconstructing suffering and reconstructing salvation. We're going to talk about evil and suffering. Remember, this series has been mined from you. Uh, we've asked you um, what you wanted us to talk about, what, what your questions are, what's challenging your faith right now. And evil and suffering was a big theme throughout uh, your responses. And so I have Seth here and Michelle. Um, I just realized in the previous weeks I didn't introduce who I had here uh, with me. Um, but these are two leaders in our church and, um, and we're just going to talk. And we want to show you that uh, you can have conversations like this and gentleness and respect. And again, I know I've said this each week, but you're, you're thinking probably, well, yeah, of course, it's safe to have it here. Well, yes, it is. And let's start where it's safe to have it. And, and we want to show you that as a church, it is safe to have these conversations and the other ones we've had in other weeks together as a body of Christ in order to reach our world for Christ and live on mission for God. Remember, in these weeks also, we're not here to tell you what to believe. We're not here to... to give you a set of beliefs about evil and suffering today um, or peacemaking. Uh, we're here to give you the tools to l give you an epistemological foundation to know why you believe what you believe so that now you can walk forward in your faith in the mind of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and you can read different books and you can listen to different podcasts and you can read blogs and you can listen to sermons and you can discern with the Spirit of God yourself. And, and so that's our goal. It's discipleship. It's hear and obey, right? And so as we talk about this topic, we just want to recognize pastorally that um, evil and suffering, we've all experienced it in different ways. Um, and, and you out there right now, uh, you may be going through something really, really tangible, really, a, a really visceral experience right now with your, with, with suffering or with evil. And we just want to say that as a church, we're here for you. Your R3 is here for you. If you want to, if you want to live this out with others in community where we can carry your burdens, um, we're here to help you do that. Uh, like we talked about last week, uh, reconstructing community and, and cause evil and suffering does, that's hard to, I mean, we live in a world of evil and suffering and, um, you can maybe make it on your own, but why, why would you want to, when you have a community here who wants to help carry those burdens with you? And so we're all here for you for that. And, and so as we talk about this, we also want you to know this isn't just an intellectual conversation for us. Uh, like I said, we've all experienced it in different ways. Um, we're not here to compare someone's suffering with another person's or, or experience of evil with another. Um, we're here to just to give you some tools to understand this as you walk uh, with Jesus in your faith in this world that is full of evil and suffering. And I keep on saying evil and suffering, not because they're the same thing, because they're not. Uh, they're separate things. Oftentimes we link those two things. Um, and sometimes that link is, is, um, uh, legit, but sometimes it isn't. And so we'll talk a little bit about that too. Uh, so let's jump in guys. Let's jump into this, this topic. Uh, let's just start with, with evil. Cause some of the questions we got were, uh, why does evil exist? Someone asked, uh, why do people who claim to be Christians do evil things? I mean, you can think of like, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the Catholic church, uh, abuses, um, or in our nation, uh, with, in particular with residential schools. Um, but then there's also, uh, the other, the other abuses, or you can think back to the crusades. Like if you want to go historical, uh, there's, there's things there as well. I mean, and for all the big things like that, there's little things too. There's little, uh, sinful, evil things that happen day to day. And, and so, yeah, let's talk about it. What do we, what do we do with that? Um, what, what does that look like in the church? Um, you know, this question, why does evil exist? Um, yeah. What, what is that? Uh, how does that affect the way we live and how we live out as a body of Christ? So let's just start there. 
because there's a theological component to that. Like, why does why does evil why does evil exist? Where does evil come from? Anyone? Do either one of you want to jump in on that one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, actually, like we're talking about right now, um, what the church has come to understand. But I feel like even just getting on the same page about what is evil, like if you just define evil, I feel like that is already where none of, we don't all agree. Um, like, so yeah. we can talk about like where it comes from. Like now that I accept the follow the teachings of the Bible and everything, like I've come to ground myself in those teachings. But before that I was like, just like everybody else, like we could have a conversation. Like, is that evil? Like for example, killing, right? Um, if I kill somebody, most people will be like, oh yeah, that's evil. But then, you know, what about like if it's an accident or, what about killing an animal or killing a plant? Or we even tend to celebrate killing out of vengeance. Yeah, I was going to say executions. Yeah, like, like well, are, they deserve that. Yeah, and right. so I feel like um, that's the first thing is we all, this is the thing about evil, we all experience it. We know it's real. We all know that we somehow participate in it. I think if we're honest, like if we really, like any honest person would be like, yeah, I've, I've done evil things, maybe, right? So, I, but have we? Like, so, so I think that, but none of us can really agree on what's evil. So, I, in, when I was like, like trying to answer these questions for myself, I was like looking everywhere. I, um, I, I had a, I grew up in a multi-faith home. Like, there was like my father who, um, he came from a Hindu. His mother was Lepcha Hindu, and his father was. Um, like Taoist, like Buddhist, like fusion Chinese. And then my mom is Métis, Scottish with some Catholic um, upbringing. And then my father, because so he ended up being agnostic and he was like, you can't really know, you know, you can't really know. But we had like an altar of all these gods, like in our house. Um, so all the images of God from different faiths. And um, so I grew up in that context, like, and, and I saw, like, all these religions are all just trying to answer this question, like, define, like, what is yep. evil and everything. So I was drawn to Christianity because I feel like um, Jesus, like, the, um, the things that we right away accept, like, we are evil, we are sinful. So we have to talk about sin, right? We have to talk about sin. Um, and we need somebody to help us get out of this, like, because we can't get out of it ourselves. So anyway, we can talk more about that. But um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your, I'm just thinking aloud. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that we don't all agree. Like, so I think we should probably define like what is evil. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, because just that term is equivocated so much in our culture. And uh, even even what people consider sin. And we would say as as followers of Jesus, that sin is evil, but what is sin then? And especially in our, our you know, even in the church that's debated sometimes, mm -hmm. but then uh, out, outside the church, definitely. Like what is, what is sin? Like what, what is evil essentially? And uh, the definition I've always thought of is, well, it's whatever goes against the will of God and whatever God wants I want to pair with that. I want to go along with that so that it is the, it is the path of righteousness, as the scriptures mm -hmm. say, rather than, um, and we could say evil or the path of unrighteousness. That's Psalm 1. It's, it's the righteous prosper this way, the, the wicked walk in this path. And, uh, and so for us, definitely, when we think about the, the will of God, and that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion to get into the will of God here. Um, and we may talk about it a little bit later, but um, yeah, at least for us, that's a starting place. But then when you get into defining sin and all that, it's, it's, um, uh, I think, I think in our culture today, it's, we're in a, we're in a losing battle with that. And so we, we need to find another entrance into this conversation. Yeah. I think the, yeah, I think those are, you know, good points. Um, part of it is, I think, uh, what evil is, um, and just, you know, why, why, why evil, evil like exists, like depends on a person's worldview, right? So um, part of the, I think, you know, uh, the dominant kind of like narrative out there now um, is, is oftentimes evils kind of like uh, caused by this 
particular like ideology, um, worldview, um, and uh, and like institution, right? So, example, like I did my my schooling like at York, you know, great school, great program. I did my my MSW, and then like uh, oftentimes injustice was uh, you know attributed to this capitalist, you know, like uh, capitalist. Uh, ideology right uh where you know this this you know one one like ideology has caused like so much like pain like evil suffering and that's true i would say to uh to to a degree right and then uh she would have like let's say uh mike like you mentioned like um earlier about how recently the the Catholic Church has been has has been like accused like of of all these like injustices, all these like atrocities, all of which are 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 are, are like absolutely true. I just don't think that that those kind of um, uh, meanings, like those like either like ideologies, like. Um, institutions those things like are actually going far like enough right because like i think so within like the biblical worldview like evil actually started in the garden of of eden right so um where adam and eve like and god like existed there uh walked like harmoniously with god and then because of that the devil um tempted adam and eve and and they made a choice there, right? Like, they, they made, like, a choice to do, like, what was not in God's will, uh, which was wrong. And so, like, hence, um, through that, like, act, um, we're all kind of, like, always, like, choosing to do, like, what we want um, over what God wants. And, like, um, and, and, like... And at the core, like that, actually, actually, like leads to evil. So, so let me kind of like elaborate a bit here. So, um, let's take the capitalist, uh, capitalist ideology, right? Like behind that is this, like uh, this, 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 like uh, this ontological reality of of us, like as humans, as being. S- sinful right so then like greed is what actually puts forward um us being like in inherently greedy like is what made that that uh, that uh, that ideology actually like thrive right so also think about like any uh, the catholic church of course like it's done a lot of like major like atrocities but a lot of like other other institutions have have two right and so like generally it's a people there like they're in like these uh, these uh, these like institutions that kind of cause the evil right so a bit more like um a bit more maybe like abstract here is you know climate change right so like us like actually like over consuming things have kind of you know shifted uh the climate and that's caused like more storms, more like floods, like more like death and pain, right? So I think like epistemologically, as like a Christian, like our kind of like origins of just like what we believe like in evil, like is is uh, is like rooted in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, and like like we've been talking about where uh, there's there's a usurping of the will of God, right? Where we are putting ourselves in God's place. And, and of, of course you're operating from a biblical framework. So if you're watching this and you're not, um, you're, you're not operating in a biblical framework. Well, we're not really answering this question, uh, right now to, to, to your liking probably. Um, but, and it's because we're mainly talking about 
followers of Jesus here because this question was posed from followers of Jesus, from believers, from Christians. And, and that's why we're talking through the biblical framework um, as well. Yeah, so you, you've talked about like the will of God. Um, if, if I were to summarize the will of God, like when I think about um, humanity, like who we are as human beings, we are, God created us and he made us in his image, right? So we are the image of God. And I think like the Bible talks about sin and I think in Hebrew, I haven't really studied Hebrew too deeply, maybe not as deep as you, Mike, but I feel like um, there's one of the definitions for sin is missing the mark, right? And it's like, it's basically a failure to achieve a goal, like a certain goal, right? Fulfill a goal. And the goal of that was um, set before us was to be the image of God in the earth. And if we're the image of God, God is someone um, deserving of honor and respect. And so we are supposed to show that same honor and respect to each other. So by sinning and missing the mark of that goal, we are failing to honor and respect each other. So that is like, that, I'm just talking about sin right now. Um, and so, um, oh, wait, what was I gonna say with that? Uh, <laughs> Should I fill in the space yeah, here? Yeah, fill in the space there. <laughs> but I, I, I'll come back to it, I had a thought. Oh yes, I was gonna say, um, so, uh, and the thing about that is um, that basically what we're doing is we're failing to be truly human. Like that's what, what, um, what, what sin is. So evil, and like when this person's asking, whoever is asking these questions, um, like should we talk about what the source of evil is or like where it comes from? Because I was talking to my husband just like the other day and he's like, well, you can't really, like if God is good, right? You can't really have good without evil. Like it, it, like what is good like is and so um, it's almost like just like God is was not good he was not loving until he had like he there was like it has to be an expression of that somehow right like so he is loving within himself like within the trinity and then he expressed it like and so evil is like the opposite about that and so the scriptures also talk about an adversary like um, there's and you know there's like that's a whole big another topic but anyway it's going on and on <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is a big topic. I'm like, are we answering this question? This is a big yeah, topic. Yeah, this is huge. So here's something for you. I mean, you could be a believer or if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, what you may think about the church and what you may know about the church and your experience. And as we talk about deconstruction, deconstruction, people deconstructing their faith, that's kind of what this whole series is built on. There's a lot of people who have seen the evil or the hurts or the sin perpetuated by the church and have uh, started reconsidering things. And, and so I just want to say along the lines of that, um, uh, going off what Michelle said, God, God is good, God is love, God is just, and he's holy, and he's all these things. Um, in and of himself, right? He's been these things from eternity past in the perfect Trinitarian community. And, uh, and so that image is placed in us. That image is in you. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, or not that yeah. image is in you. And so you are not inherently evil. And I think along yes. the ways the church has grasped onto this, well, because I was born in a sin, why well, I'm inherently evil. No, no, no. Yeah, you were born in a sin, which means you didn't have to do anything to get that sinful nature. You just had it. But that doesn't mean you are you are evil in your core. You're inherently evil. Yeah. No. You're not yeah. like evil, like incarnate. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. right. Yeah. Um, uh, the image of God is in you. And I was explaining this to Emerson the other day, uh, my one of my daughters. And as I was explaining to her, she started weeping. Um, cause she did something wrong and, and, um, and she kept on saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, Hey, stop saying you're sorry. You don't have to, you don't have to say you're sorry multiple times. Um, I heard it once and now it's done. And you said, you're going to do this. And, and I said, cause this is how God looks at you. And then guys think about the image of God in you as a piece of silver and sin that your, your sinful nature has tarnished that silver. Like it didn't replace the silver, 
the silver's still there. It's still silver. It's still silver. Like yeah. it hasn't changed the composition no. of the silver. So, like it's still silver. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit comes in and He removes the tarnish. Mm-hmm. That's the restoration of the image of God in you. Uh, that's where love and purity and holiness and and goodness and kindness and gentleness. That's that's where all those creativity. Uh, that's where all those things come from. Uh, this image of God that's in each and every one of us. And sin has tarnished it. And, uh, and so when we talk about evil here, I want you to hear this message from our church, from us. Uh, we're not a church that's going to, we don't want to lead you into self-hatred. We don't want to lead you into self-condemnation or, or into self-judgment. Uh, because the story of the scriptures of the gospels isn't that story. Uh, Jesus says, in fact, in John chapter 3, I didn't come to condemn you. You're already condemned. Like your sinful nature does that. I came to save you. I came to rescue you. I came to untarnish you. I came to make you a new creation, he says in 2 Corinthians 5. So um, that's the message of the gospel. That's the message of hope. That's the message of the church. Unfortunately, a lot of us have heard the opposite message. You're going to hell. You need, you need Jesus to save you from hell because you're a horrible person. I don't know. The message from the beginning of the scriptures is... You have the image of God in you. Yes, yes. So um, that's, yeah, I just want to say that to, to talk about, to go into what we're going to talk about next, which is suffering. Um, because like, like I said, a lot of times these things, things are paired. Uh, why do bad things happen? Things like that. Here's, here's essentially the problem of evil as it's, as it is, um, often phrased. I mean, this is kind of, it's getting a bit old. I think people are starting to sh- reshape to understand the problem of evil, but essentially it's this. It's, okay, I hear you. We have a good God, but if he's all good and he's all powerful, why is there evil? That's the problem. Um, and there's a bunch of answers to that question. Uh, for instance, well, we have free will. Yeah. Right? We just talked about that. Yeah. Well, do you want our, our good God to control your every move? Well, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. He just made us robots then. And, but he's given us um, the power of moral choice, right? And, and we get to choose that. And he loves us despite that. He loves us because of that. He loves us in the midst of that. And, and so um, th- there's some things like that that we could talk about and go into. We can get in the will of God, things like that. Um, we're not going to do all that right now. It gets really philosophical really quickly. Um, but uh, I love how N.T. Wright talks about this. N.T. Wright is, is one of the premier theologians of, of the day. Mm-hmm. He says, actually, the problem of evil, if you think about it, can be phrased and packaged in terms of the problem of good. He's like, the question is not why is there evil in the world, especially if you're an atheist. He's like, why is there any good in the world? Like, why is there any beauty? Why is there anything um, of honor? Uh, That's the question we should be asking. Not why is there evil? Because, I mean, especially if you're an atheist and the world just came together, happenstance, like, you know, however it did. um, And there isn't a good creator God. um, Why is there any good then? That's that's the real problem, he says. And I'm like, oh, man, we could talk about that for a long time because... Yeah. I mean, there's so much there. Why are we attracted to, um, a beautiful flower or a painting or, um, a person or like, why is there, why is there this beauty? And we could say, well, some of this cultural construct things like that, but no, when you see something beautiful, like you feel like inside you, right? Like it's, it's this like innate thing in us or, um, my wife said actually like, what, what, when she saw me, like she felt that too, <laughs> that like kind of like inner <laughs> visceral kind of feeling. Yeah, I think yeah, she yeah. felt more like something <laughs> here, like in her guts. <laughs> Repulsion. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think she was the sun and yeah, you yeah, were. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. But yeah, so um, 
uh, now trans. So I, I just love how he talks about that. And, and there's like, a, there's so much there with, with how he packages that. Yeah. Um, but he also goes on to say, you know, we, we, um, we tend to put God on trial because of that. Mm-hmm. You're all good. You're all powerful. God. Why? Why blank fill in the blank? Um, and we tend to put him on trial and he says only to find out that he's already suffered the penalty. Yeah, I was going to say um, that was me. <laughs> like, I actually remember um, I have a, like a certain point in my life, maybe when I was around the age of 17, I was actually asking these questions and I was like, you know, I saw I've seen a lot of evil. I've experienced it. And I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Like, how is God good? How is God good? I just couldn't see it. And I had this like image of him kind of just sitting back like he created us. Maybe he created us with good intentions, but he's sitting back and he's just like watching us like hurt each other, kill each other. And I was like, why did you create me? And I I was personal for me. So I was like, I was angry with him. And I actually, at that point, I thought that, um, like all he wanted was us to do good and be good. And and I was like, uh, so I I just couldn't worship him. I couldn't like, I was like, I can't worship you. I can do good things without you. Right. I can be a good person because there's good in the world. And I saw it. I experienced that too. Right. But there was something like, um, that I came to realize, was because uh, so that question why does God let bad things happen right I like to pick pick <laughs> pick apart questions I like to challenge questions so when, when when we say why does God let bad things happen that's already assuming that he was passive like he just didn't and so my walk with discovering who Jesus was and encountering him and beginning this relationship with him that he initiated, like I realized he totally does not do that. He is right there in the suffering. He is right there. And yeah, we talked about Jesus, like of all the gods on my dad's altar, it's so funny, like you have um, animals and different like beings with, you know, um, they looked, uh, some of them are smiling. Jesus is on a cross. That's the image that we have. And that's like a unique, hmm. I don't wow. see God. Like, and so he was so relatable. He's human, he's suffering. So like God doesn't just let suffering happen right and I so anyway that was comforting to me that made me realize that God's actually with me and I think one I took a course a long time ago about people who are um, in palliative care and they're dying they're on their deathbed and they actually have research that just by being with somebody in their suffering not relieving their suffering just by being with them in that suffering is so significant like it is and that's that's what I experienced with God is like um, anyway that's my personal thing so that question why does God let like bad things happen. Like I, um, I still don't have a complete formed answer for that, but it doesn't matter anymore for me because he doesn't just let bad things happen. He actually had a plan. Like, so yeah. Yeah. yeah just to expand, expand on that too. Um, yeah, I, I think that's key that just, you know, God is actually, actually, actually with us. Right. Like, and you see, see that like all throughout, uh, the Bible too, right? Uh, um, mo- uh, what comes to mind is this uh, um, Daniel, right? Like in in the book of Daniel, and just how uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and and uh, and uh, and Abednego, like he's in the furnace, like with them. That's a that's this like Christophany, like in the. In the New Testament too, just like he sees, uh, you know, like his la- um, Lazarus dies, like, and he just weeps for for that, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And think about the people Jesus hung out with. Yeah. Like he was right there, like with people, close to people who were suffering. Um, and so, like that's like. God doesn't just let it happen, right? And then and there are some things like if I'm trying to understand God, like you know, God is we we can't understand. He sees the bigger picture of everything. He might be waiting for someone to like turn to him. He might be patient with us. He might be he might um like there's sometimes there's suffering we cause our own suffering. Like like actually most of the time, but to be honest, I feel like most of the time like our suffering is because of us, right? Like um and so he surrenders us to that and like I, and so we can't understand like that, right? Um, but he didn't just let us. I think I have to like say that because, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's really good because um, we don't have uh, what Michelle's talking about is the deistic God who 
who who created and then step back and just let things let things fly. At the same time, we have a creation order, mm-hmm. right? That God created, put into place, and when it got messed up, um, He didn't say, "Well, I'm just gonna." fix it all and and um and restart and start over he actually came to be with us all right guys that's that's what's so tremendous about the story of the scriptures it's emmanuel it's god with us he didn't step back and say no i can fix it from here he said i have a plan and i'm gonna put myself in the midst of suffering and he suffered to the point of death on a cross as a criminal, um, not for his own mistakes. No, he took the responsibility of humanity's history of failure and humanity's yeah. history. Of, yeah. And that's, that's what's so cool about the story of the scriptures. Uh, just think about Isaiah. So Isaiah 53 uh, talks about the suffering servant, right? Isaiah 52 and 53 and how the Messiah is going to have to suffer. Um, what are some, some things from that, that chapter? Um, he, he bore our transgressions or he was pierced for our transgressions. He bore the, the iniquities. Um, like he was a, a sheep uh, led, to the, led to slaughter. Uh, you know, things, things like that from Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. And then in chat, going into chapter 54, you have uh, this new covenant that begins, uh, that, that starts to get talked about in terms of God making peace for us and, and the Messiah making this peace and establishing a covenant of peace. And then in, in Isaiah 55, you have this new creation. So it's yeah. like Jesus suffering for us in order to covenant peace with us in order to make us into new creations in Christ. And Paul picks up on all that in the New Testament, of, of course. And um, it's just a beautiful understanding of, of the gospel and what it does in our lives so that some of these questions that we have that are legit questions actually start to pale in comparison to, to God's presence in our lives like you were yeah, talking about. Yeah, and I love what you said earlier about how we tend to just focus a lot on the problem of evil. and But actually, if we dwell on and actually fix our eyes on the good, there's so much good. And I feel like we miss it because we're so fixated on our pain. And um, yeah, and yeah, so anyway. Yeah, I, I think actually a lot of suffering comes from missing, missing the, good the good that's right yeah. in front of our face yeah. and not not recognizing those things. That's the self-inflicted suffering you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so guys, check out, so I have this quote here from Thomas Merton. Jamie actually uh, quoted it a few weeks ago or a piece of it. It's a large quote, but I'm going to read some of it. I just want you to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and uh, Michelle, you're at a bit of a disadvantage because Seth has heard this quote before, <laughs> but it's okay. Seth has like a five minute memory. So like <laughs> this quote was like, I don't know, 10 months ago. So he probably doesn't remember now. Oh. <laughs> He's like, what? I've heard this quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it says, Thomas Merton, he says here, the Christian must not only accept suffering, he must make it holy. Nothing so easily becomes unholy as suffering. Some of us believe in the power and value of suffering, but such a belief is an illusion. Suffering has no power and no value on its own. It is valuable only as a test of faith. So let's talk about that because I think in our understanding of evil and suffering, so many people try to redeem suffering and not that it's irredeemable, but suffering becomes this thing that, okay, for the Christian, suffering is good and and you want to suffer. I was talking to someone recently about this in the pastoral culture of, of church, especially in the Western church. It's like, if you're not suffering, you're not actually working hard enough. It's like, if you're not overtired, if you're not, um, in conflict with somebody, if you're not overworked, if you're not, it's almost like the sadism in, in pastoral culture that is like, I need to be beat up to, to know that I'm doing something for Jesus. And I actually was praying about this recently. Cause I was like, wow, things are God. Like I'm, I'm certain I know where you want us to go. Things are going really well, but I don't feel 
Like, should I feel right about that? <laughs> I don't feel right because things are good. I should feel bad, right? And it's like, no. Um, and so that's what I mean where suffering kind of creeps in sometimes. And uh, and in our, our church culture, and we've adopted it. But here he says, well, it's not that it's not valuable, but it's only valuable as a test of our faith. Um, because power and value and suffering is a belief that's an illusion, he says. Um so what do you guys think about that? There's, there's more of the quote that we'll get to. Um, maybe I'll read the next part. Because he says, suffering then becomes good by accident, by the good that it enables us to receive more abundantly from the mercy of God. Yeah, that's really good. Like, I, I think that kind of, you know, um, makes me think about how, like, it, it, how it's a matter of, you know, perspective a bit right mm -hmm. and so like oftentimes like we uh, we think too that you know suffering you, you know should cause us some sort of like emotional like turmoil right but that's not always the um, the case right so you may like um I don't know, like lose lose a job, like wh wh whatever. However, like if we're like able to kind of like uh, change our perspective on it, um, it won't actually cause us that that uh, that angst, right? So I think right. what's uh, what's uh, what's ha what's helpful too, like it's kind of like having that kind of like that uh, that, uh, that like eternal perspective like in in mind hey like within like the biblical like the christian like what worldview um hey you know anything like here like in this temporal like world like doesn't really last and so like um we have this like eternity that that it, um that is here and that is to to come that like matters more and so like if we're able to actually change our perspective on just what what you know most people think is suffering like th that'll actually m make us experience like you know joy right yeah that's good were you going to say something? Oh, I was just trying to think. I'm just reflecting on that quote. I'm like, oh, like when in my life, um, like all the suffering that I've experienced has only grown me and and strengthened my faith. And like, and I'm not saying like like I agree with you. We we talk about, um, yeah, I'm not saying you have to suffer to experience those things. But I don't like it, totally like when that kind of stuff happens. It's like. Uh, it doesn't, I, not anymore, like not since Jesus, like it doesn't, because of the, the eternal perspective, like I know that it, this is not forever, right? Um, so yeah, I'm just reflecting, I'm just taking it in, I'm like, hmm, yeah. thinking about it, yeah. It's a really heavy quote uh, to just, yeah, we've well, not heard this quote. <laughs> I've not heard this quote, I, <laughs> I don't remember, so. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, like new, it's like new to Seth too. <laughs> no, so here's the rest of it. Okay. And I've, I've taken out, other things, because he says at one point to believe in suffering is pride. Um, mm. And he goes into that a bit. Uh, uh, but then he says this, the cross of Christ says nothing of the power of suffering or of death. And you're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> um, he says it speaks only of the power of him who overcame both suffering and death by rising from the grave. Jesus is not merely someone who once loved us enough to die for us. His love for us is the infinite love of God, which is stronger than all evil and cannot be touched by death. Suffering, therefore, can only be consecrated to God by one who believes that Jesus is not dead. It's exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Pre-Christ and post-Christ, yeah. the way you view suffering is different. The meaning has changed. Yes. Like, yeah. And, and so he, he continues, he says, and it is the very essence of Christianity to face suffering and death, not because they are good, not because they have meaning, 
but because the resurrection of Jesus yes. has robbed them of yeah. their meaning. The effect of suffering upon us depends on what we love. You catch that? Yeah. The yeah, effect it, of suffering on us depends yeah, on what huge. we love. That's, that's convicting. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what we're talking huge. about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, um, totally like, uh, I think like maybe like a really common thing, like I'm not, you know, perfect too, right? Uh, I, I might, you know, get like a bad like um, review from at, at like work, right? And then like, and then initially, <laughs> From Mike, really. Uh, and then, like, initially, it's kind of um, causes you kind of, you know, like, emotional distraught, uh, emotional, emotional, emotional turmoil. And then, like, I realize, hey, like, my identity may be, like, a bit too, like, wrapped up mm. in just, like, what this person thinks. People. Uh, yeah. What they think. People think of me, right? So, yeah. like, that's key. Just, like, yeah. who you love, like, who you, like, gain, uh, want approval from, like, ultimately... It, like impacts uh, yeah. your view of s suffering. Like, um, yeah. This is going to sound really, <laughs> you guys are going to be like, well, she thinks like this, but God is so personal. God is really personal. Like in my like teenage mind when I was younger, I just, I, I was like thinking about it. I was like, people always throw around the, the words hate and love. They always throw around those, around those words. And I'm like, what does hate actually mean? I was like, hate is like, I was like, what's hate? Like the epitome of hate. It's like, I hate you so much that I want, I would be willing to suffer for the rest of my life so that you would have misery, right? And I'm like, that's evil, like pure evil. And then, then I was like, but what's love? And it's like being willing to suffer so that someone could experience wow. like the opposite, right? And then I realized like, that's exactly it. Like what you're suffering for, who you're suffering for, like, um, whatever meaning is there like that's that's the difference right like so yeah what you worship what you love um totally reframes that i think also a part of it too is that when you approach a friend like who's like in that you know pit of despair probably it's not the best approach right. to be like hey like you you seek man's approval therefore like this is why you're like this right that's not the like, best approach right um i'm no I'm longer a counselor seeking your too, right so i think the uh, the best approach uh maybe um as a believer like as a follower of jesus like it's to be like jesus in their life right be with them right yeah, like exemplify the the kind of life he lived and also yeah. like what he kind of like illustrated in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, that kind of reminds me of the, the third question, but we oh, can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, and it's presence, what you talked about earlier when you're talking about the palliative care and the effect of presence. And we've talked about that in the last, last week as well. Um, to finish out this quote, because Jesus actually, like I said, he's already suffered. Yes, we have an all good God. Yes, he's, um, he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. And still he chose to suffer yeah, with he us chose it. Yep. and take the penalty for us. And so it says, he says here, if we love God and love others in him, we will be glad to let suffering destroy anything in us that God is pleased to let it destroy because we know that all it destroys is unimportant. We'll mm -hmm. prefer to let the accidental trash of life be consumed by suffering in order that his glory may come out clean in everything we do. If we love God, suffering does not matter. Mm -hmm. Christ in us, his love, his passion in us, that is what we care about. Pain does not cease to be pain but we can be glad of it because it enables Christ to suffer in us and give glory to his father by being greater in our hearts than suffering would ever be. Guys, that's huge, right? Cause, um, everything like, you know, despair, like pain, like oftentimes like those things are linked like emotionally to something that's like, you know, di like, um, bad, right? Just making you f feel like sad, sad, like angry, blah, blah, blah. But then like, this means that, Despite all these things, like the emotional, uh, yeah, like uh, the emotional kind of like attachment there, you know, could be joy still, right? And yep. yeah, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, which we tend to juxtapose those two, but yeah. 
yeah, when we have that change in perspective. So let's finish out with this. We have a few minutes. Let's, <laughs> let's, is that right? I'm looking at the timer. Is that right? <laughs> I'm like, I think we're, t- um, I think we're past time, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we, have a, we have a couple minutes just to finish out. We're talking about, um, cause some of this came up too, um, uh, you know, in, in, in light of suffering, light of evil, how do we deal with pacifism? How do we deal with peacemaking? How do we deal with uh, nonviolence? Like, what does it look like to combat evil? Romans um, 12 says, uh, um, overcome evil with good, right? So, yeah. you know, how do, we, how do we actually be peacemakers like Matthew 5 says, uh, because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So how do we make peace? Um, and I hesitate to say pacifism because there's so much baggage there with it. That word, yeah. Because we're actually supposed to be peacemakers. Um, so we're not going to get into like all the discussions and all the stuff down here. But um, up here, how do we, what does that look like for us um, as we live in a world of evil and suffering? Yeah, I actually think about that like often, you, you know, just with my mind, like work, uh, working with with uh, folks who are, who are homeless or just like um, oppressed in other ways. Um, I think I was... Um, in a class in my in my in my like in my MSW course and like we've been like learning about like all all these like injustices and the you know possible causes and then I'm like it admits that like uh, I was like to my prof um we know all the problems here like how can we fix this and then she was like oh she was like I think maybe the simplest way, like, is to be kind. So that's kind of, um, I think she was, you know, like, there's, like, a lot of parallels there, like, between, like, what she said and also what, this is kind of, like, expanded upon, like, in much more depth um, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Right, Um, right. If we can, like, you know, like, live out, like, that life of, um, of like loving your uh, your uh, your uh, your enemies, right? Like um, thinking about like hating a person as like equal to almost murdering a person. Thinking about like be, you know be, be, being be, being angry. Like if if we can kind of you know like aim towards like living that that life you know Jesus lived. Um, that's that's like that's uh, that's uh, that's huge right and um oftentimes like i oftentimes see also also like young people younger than me i guess um <laughs> in uh, in captured with hey like there's so much like injustice in the world and there's kind of like analysis per, per, paralysis right yeah and i'm um, like and just start with you, right? Just like, what are some things like you can do today to to exemplify the Sermon on the Mount, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, just to add, like, oh, there's so many things I could say about this, but I'm not going to because we have no time. Um, but just to add to that, like, what I heard Seth saying is, I think, like, in Ephesians, it talks about like be imitators of God, right? Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. And later on, I think in First John, um, it says, um, we love because Christ first loved us. And I think the life of Jesus is significant. Jesus is the key. Like He is the key. And if we just very cliche, like be like Jesus. And if you look at JD. Yeah. Well, not just question. Like, but be like him. Yeah. Totally. Like, uh, and what did he do? Where Where did he hang out? Who was he with? Like I said earlier, he was with the people who were suffering. He was present with them, but he also did not partner with evil. Right. He. He. Um, he, he, God made the first move. He made the first move to make yeah, peace with us. Good. Our relationship that's was good. broken, right? And he made the first move to make peace with us. Yep. As you can tell, also, look, we are getting hyped up right now. <laughs> so <I'm> <laughs> I think totally same here. I think, too, uh, our culture, like, <laughs> here's how, like, we, we uh, as a church, you, you know, can do, can be, like, better, I think. Is that, like, we are kind of, like, fixated, like, a, as a culture, this kind of, 
that's kind of like infiltrated us like in the church as well and just pointing at like you know problems like oh, and issues yeah, right yeah. and so like here's how then like you can be like radical in your faith is to kind of go step out like and act like and do something right yeah. um and yeah. that's huge. Celebrate the good, yeah. right? Like, yeah. which is what we love to do in the neighborhoods that we're in. We to celebrate mm. the good things that are already there. Um, yes. Yep. Problem focused to yeah. now solutions focused. And this doesn't minimize or dismiss because I've yeah. heard people say that, oh, you're minimizing. This is absolutely not that. Yeah. This is this is like us making a choice to be the good in the world, to be peacema- yeah. peacemakers, right? Like, yep. uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. In order to make peace you have to insert yourself into conflict and can't make peace from the sidelines. It's why guys, we don't, we didn't start our church in Pickering or Rosedale. Like we, we came into where people are experiencing conflict in order to be peacemakers. That's why we're sitting here in St. Jamestown right now. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's why we came into a very densely populated area where, um, there's an exacerbation of, of some of these issues uh, to be peacemakers, not from afar, but right here. And, uh, and, and there's, there's, uh, there's so much paralysis or inaction in the church to, to go forward and, and to move into making peace. Um, and, and it's, a lot of it has to do with a focus on our own suffering and our own, our own well-being and our own selves and this, this whole Thomas Merton quote. Um, so any final thoughts before I close this out? Um, I'm going to close this out with Second Corinthians here because it kind of wraps up everything that you guys are saying. Uh, because we just talked about the gospel and, and Paul says here, we have this treasure in jars of clay, like fragile jars. That's us. Uh, this treasure, this beauty of the gospel. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages in all the scripture to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. And he says, he says, we're afflicted in every way, but, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, right? Suffering isn't, isn't, um, uh, tearing down our entire house because we're built on the foundation of Christ because yep. we're always carrying in the body of uh, in the body of in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus is manifested in us and he says for we who live we're always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that his life is manifested in us in our mortal flesh so death is at work in you but life is at work uh, or death is at work in us but life in, in you he says so we do not lose heart we're wasting away inner self being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare so we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's this eternal perspective. And so we want to encourage you into that. We want to help walk with you in that. If you're in the midst of suffering and difficulties right now, we're like Seth said, we're not saying, Oh, you have to do it. We're, we're saying, no, we just want to be there with you in it. We're not here to, to, to change your perspective right now. Um, the spirit does that. The Lord does that. We're here to be with you in that. We're here to point you to Jesus. And if you're thinking about through, if you think through these things intellectually, um, make your move to Jesus. Like yeah. Michelle said, he's, he's the key. He's the key. Yeah. And we're here to discuss uh, that with you further as well. Um, so Michelle, can you close us in prayer and, sure. and bless us? Yeah. Um, God, I thank you for this conversation and for these questions that are um, in the minds of our people, people that we Uh, get to do life with in our community. And God, I just pray that as we grow in knowledge of you, that that is the key. Like Like I said, Jesus is the key. May we all just grow to know Jesus more intimately, know you more intimately, God. And and God, you are, um, as Mike said, you're the one who's going to change us um, and restore us and um, reframe all that for us. And for those of us who are suffering right now, God, I just pray for you because that's who you are. Get close, God. Um, show them that you are near, that you are so close. And mobilize us as a church to be the kind of people who get close to people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, God, we pray for peace. Let us be peacemakers. I bless everyone in our community to be peacemakers this week. 
thank you for that opportunity, that privilege in Jesus' name.